when I speak to young people, I explain to them that basically the world is full of opportunities and they have to look at the world with a realistic vision, but at the same time be optimistic because they are the change. I am the change. We all are the change. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. I'm so happy to be with you on the show today. <laughs> for those of you who do not know, we are honored to have him on the show. Eric is a Michelin-starred chef. He is the chef and co-owner of Le Bernardin in New York, which is like an iconic restaurant. He is like a multiple-time James Beard Award winner. He has his own show, Avec Eric, and has several cookbooks, one of which just came out in October, right? Called Seafood Simple? Yes, Seafood Simple just came out in October, beginning of the month, and uh, we are gearing to the holidays and hopefully uh, we'll sell a lot of them because it's a great book. I have no doubt um, any opportunity anyone could get to impart some of uh, your knowledge is a good one. So everyone go out, purchase the book. Uh, we can talk about that more throughout the episode too. But I want to hear in your words when people say, what do you do? What do you say? It depends. Most of the time, I don't lie. I say I'm, I'm a chef. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes people in the streets um, yell my, my name they're like hey, but not even my name they yell like hey you you I know I know you I know you what, what do you do and sometimes I lie <laughs> what do you say I say I am a tourist that's so French really to just like make just make it into a joke I'm not really lying I'm kind of a tourist actually <laughs> that's true do you still feel like a tourist in the United States after all these years so I came to the US in 1989 and I live in New York since 1990 something, 90. And I still look at the buildings like a tourist. I'm still looking at Central Park like it's, it's the first time I'm walking in a park. I'm still, uh, yes, mesmerized by, by the city of New York. Well, I think that's wonderful. That probably means you're in the right place if you continue to be inspired after all these years. Yes, and, and New York is such a, great inspiration in many ways um, the energy of the city and what's happening in, in, in New York 24-7 yeah. obviously you have to take breaks because you can't be 24-7 but it's, it's amazing it's one of a kind it's only, only in New York City yeah, there truly is nothing like it. You just have to have the energy to keep up see, that, that's where I fall short in New York I like spend two days there and I'm like exhausted well, I spend five days and I take my weekend to, to go to there the country and, and look at the, the squirrels and the deers and the, tre in the trees and, and so on and the birds. <laughs> that, there you go. That's how you get some balance. Well, I would love to know, I'm sure everyone would, can you tell us a little bit about how you got introduced to cooking, how you became a chef, a little bit of a, your story? I think I wanted to be a chef my entire life, really. I mean, when I remember being four years old, I knew I wanted to be a chef. Hmm. I had two grandmothers, one from the south of France, Provence, and one from Italy, northern part of Italy. And then my mom was an amazing cook. 
My grandmother were cooking soul food from their own uh, culture and region. And my mom was cooking fine dining food for the family because she was passionate about creating an experience for us, which was amazing. She was a businesswoman and a very successful businesswoman. But she would wake up at 5 a.m. to create uh, for lunch uh, appetizer, main course, cheese dessert. And then at night, the same appetizer, main course, cheese and dessert and all different on different patterns of China, different flowers, different tablecloths. So I was exposed to soul food and I was exposed to fine dining without knowing I was spoiled and uh, thinking that every kid in the world was eating like me. Uh, we were not, I, I can assure you. <laughs> I realized that later on in life, but I was mesmerized by watching what was going on in the kitchen and uh, and I was reading a lot of cookbooks, actually so many cookbooks that at the end I became a very bad student because I was not doing my homework and therefore at 15 I had to find a vocational school because they didn't want me anymore and it's when I, I ask and I beg uh, to find me a spot in a culinary school and that was the beginning uh, of my cooking career as a professional, graduated at 17 and then moved to Paris and worked in, a, in some of the best restaurants in Paris with the same vision from, a, from that young age until, until now, actually. I always wanted to be the chef that I am today, which means in a beautiful restaurant with a beautiful kitchen, all the equipment we need, beautiful products, an army of chefs around me helping me to, to basically um, create the vision that, that I have for the experience for the client with a beautiful dining room, a lot of waiters and sommeliers and, and that I'm living the dream basically. Yeah, what a beautiful story. I'm wondering, are there certain things that you ate growing up that you had this like, you know, food can be very, it can be a very emotional experience. Like you can feel things when you eat. Was there, were there certain foods that you remember eating being like, I just want to like learn how to make these. I want to learn how to make things taste this good throughout my entire life. Yes, of course. I knew I knew what I dislike. Yeah. So when I was young, I don't know who said to my parents or to the generation of my parents that feeding brain to your child will make him smarter. <laughs> but it was a trend, and we were we were served, being served brains from. Uh, lamb and and uh, veal and so on, and I will use my spoon like a catapult and throw the brain throughout the kitchen. I was on the high chair, very young. I, re I have very vid vivid memories of that. Uh, of course, my parents were not happy, but I knew I didn't like that. <laughs> and then I was really fascinating by souffle, for instance, like to see the souffle rise in the oven. And you cannot open the door because if you open the door, it, it falls again. And you, yeah. so you have to look through the, through the, the window and, uh, and see the souffle rising and the anticipation. And I knew that it was something that I would do one day. And I was hoping to, to be successful. And uh, uh, I, I make souffle sometimes, yes. <laughs> and you remember that, that moment. <laughs> Oh, I remember those moments, yes. I was also fascinated by puff pastry. So I will make, oh. make puff pastry and, and, and the entire family will eat 
for months anything with pastry. Uh, until I would get tired and do something else and, and so on. And then really I got fascinated by how you, you can make sauce and uh, entrap into the uh, liquid uh, uh, flavors and capture yeah. them. And that became a passion that has been with me all my, all my career, my entire life basically. I'm, I'm fascinated by capturing flavors and in something that is not necessarily friendly to capture flavors like um, a broth or a sauce. It's something that is difficult to manage. Yeah, absolutely. And it it elevates the whole meal. Sometimes you have an incredible sauce on something and you're like, this meal would be completely different without this sauce. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Okay. So I'm very interested to know your answer or your answer to the question of the show. What's the best advice that you've ever gotten? To stop complaining, smile and say thank you. I love it. <laughs> so who did someone tell you that advice? Where did that come yeah. from? No, someone told me that advice. <laughs> when? What was the story behind it? Well, when we were young, we were um, working a lot of hours in the kitchen. I was 17, 18, 19 in Paris. Uh, when I say a lot of hours, we were working from 6, 7 a.m. until midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning. So basically, we would have very little time to go home, take a shower, sleep, uh, come back. And uh, I would complain that was it was a bit too intense to my friends. And, uh, and one day, one of the sous-chefs heard me and he came to me and he said, come here. And he gave me that advice. Because he thought, he said, he explained to me, he said, look, you are extremely lucky to be here. It's one of the best kitchen in the world. You are part of that team. And the training you're getting is amazing and it's going to be with you all your life. And the only thing you're looking at, it's your comfort. And, and, and basically, you're complaining to your friends all day long, like, oh, oh, oh. shut up, smile, smile, say thank you. I was like, okay. <laughs> that's, from all of the movies and stories I've heard of chefs, that definitely sounds like what uh, I would imagine being said. I mean, the hours, though, do seem crazy. And I mean, clearly you have gone through that whole process. Were there times where you were like, I'm just going to give up? Like, this is too hard. No, I never wanted to give up. It's interesting because... Yes, of course, I had moments where I was, when I was down, mm -hmm. and, uh, physically tired, mentally tired. Uh, but I would always think like, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to come back and I'm going to do better. And whatever uh, will bring me down that day, I will be like, tomorrow it's not going to happen. I will make sure that they will not tell me that my sauce is not good or whatever they will tell me that will, uh, will be challenging for me. But I never lost um, my hunger for being successful in the kitchen. And when I say successful, I'm not speaking about being famous or thinking about money or about anything like that. When I say successful, yeah. it was about learning, uh, evolving, and again, potentially becoming the chef that 
could create whatever he wants and have an army around him, a team around him that will help him to create that vision. And that was all the time. I mean, not everyone, though, has that kind of resilience. Like, do you feel like maybe someone in your life gave you that ability every time you were knocked down to just be like, I'm going to get back up, I'm going to try again tomorrow? Or have you had that since you can remember? So when I was a young child, I was um, kind of stubborn and um, and a strong head, definitely. And uh, nothing will bring me down. And, uh, and then... Uh, my father passed away when I was young and my mother remarried and so on. And I had a stepfather that was challenging. And I think I, I learned a lot from that relationship uh, of never giving up. Because my stepfather and I, we would butt head. Uh, and, and I was a young kid. I was 10, 11, 12. And of course, he was an adult. And I, those, those um, battles, I would say, were really a good training for the future in my life. So as much as I dislike my stepfather, um, I'm, I'm grateful for all those battles that train me for bigger battles later on. I think that most of us can say that of the most challenging situations in our life. Sometimes they teach us the most important lessons and give us the characteristics that we need to succeed in the future. Yes, I mean, if everything is a piece of cake, if I may, if everything yeah. is a walk in a, in a park, you don't learn much. You learn when you have challenges that are affecting you, and then hopefully you learn the right way, you learn uh, the lesson, and, uh, and you move on. And that's very important. Absolutely. That was beautifully said. Do you have maybe a biggest lesson that you've learned in your life thus far from one of the most challenging times? I think it's very important to... Today, I'm looking at my life and where I am with my family and, and the restaurant and what I'm doing with the books and, uh, and when I am on television and so on. And I think it's very important to, to stay humble and um, to be grateful all the time. And every morning I remind myself that I'm extremely lucky in life. I could be born in a challenging country. I could be um, starving. I could be with an illness. I could be, I don't know, many things. But I am uh, in New York City living my passion. And uh, that's, that's a very great luck that I have. So I'm grateful and then I want to stay humble and uh, I, I practice every morning. I, I do meditation and then uh, I start with my day, but it's very helpful to, to keep my feet on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And most people I would say who have attained your level of worldly success in, in their field it would probably be really easy to get a really big head, to not be humble at all. I mean, most people will not get to where you have gotten. So I think that's a very good grounding practice. Yes. Well, I, I know a lot of very successful people that are also very humble as well and, and grateful. But it's, you know, in, in life you encounter many people and uh, 
I try to be patient with all of them and yeah. be, be given as much as I can, be generous with, in many ways, with my time, with anything, with my knowledge or anything I can do to, to be uh, helpful. And that brings a, an ama amazing joy at the end of the day when, you know, I, I, it's not like I set challenges for myself for the day, but I say, okay, today you are uh, starting your day and you commit to be a good person and you're going to do good things today. And then when I come back at home at night, I go to the bathroom, I look my, at myself in the mirror and I ask myself, how, how, how did you do today? And, I uh, love that. And, and when I haven't done so well, it reminds me exactly what I was doing when I was young. I'm like, oh, today I haven't done well. I mean, tomorrow I have, I can do much better. So tomorrow I will start again and try to do better again. And, and by doing that, of course I'm biased about myself, but I think I'm evolving in the right way. I love that too, because you don't, you don't harp on the mistakes you made that day. You just decide, okay, I didn't, I didn't do my best today. And so tomorrow I'm going to try again. I think that's the key. You can't go back to the past and change what you did. A lot of times you just have to live with it, but what you can do is change tomorrow. And I love that that's like your focus in that daily practice. Yes, that, that daily pra practice is really, really important for me. And you're right, the past doesn't exist any longer, it's gone. And the future doesn't exist yet. So you have to be in the present and what you do in the present has to be something uh, that is very rewarding for people around you and for yourself ultimately. Absolutely. I'm thinking like you need to make an inspirational book. Honestly, you are just spitting fire with these quotes. I am like taken back by all of them. Do you have a biggest lesson that cooking has taught you in your life? For sure that um, cooking and, and, and being the chef that I am today has given me a lot of opportunities to do good deeds in my community. Therefore, I am very engaged with an organization called City Harvest in New York that basically uh, rescue food that is perfectly fresh but will go to waste hmm. and distribute it to people in need through shelters and mobile markets in the five boroughs of New York. City Harvest last year delivered 90 million pounds of food to people in need. This year, we already had 77 million pounds of food, and uh, I'm very involved with them. I'm the vice chair of the board, and uh, it makes me feel good. Also, the fact that I'm the only guy with the white hair in the kitchen <laughs> gives me the position of being the mentor of all those young uh, employees that we have in a kitchen and in a dining room. And uh, I have the responsibility as, a, as the leader that I am to basically share the knowledge and uh, make sure that I'm preparing them for a, a very successful future, whatever future they decide. But those things are important. Do you have advice that you give to those young chefs, the people that you mentor? What do you tell them regarding their career or just life as a chef? It all depends. You know, everybody's very different and you cannot have 
basically one message for every everyone in a team. Uh, we work with, with human beings, not robots. And, uh, and also some of them have different sensitivities, different uh, capabilities, and also different desires in their, in their life. However, when they come see me and they talk about what they would like to do in the future in, in their career or what kind of advice do I have and so on, I listen to them and for instance, sometimes they come and they're like, you know, I really love Le Bernardin and thank you for what you taught me, but I would like to open a very small restaurant. I want to go back to my state in Montana and have a 20 seat restaurant there and uh, it's my passion and I want to promote organic food and, and I'm like, this is great. I think it's fantastic. And but do you uh, do you want to build a family too? So very often they they will say yes. I, I would like to build a family. And you would like to have some children? Yeah, I would love to have some children. Oh, and um, you like to go in vacations? Yes, I want to go. I want to travel a little bit and discover the world. Well, in that case, you have to make sure that the model that you're creating for yourself can sustain that. Because you speak about a 20-seat restaurant in Montana. I'm saying Montana, but let's say Chicago. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it could be New York. But you're talking about 20 seats. How, 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 how are you going to be sustainable uh, with the restaurant? And how are you going to be able to sustain a family? Because it's very important. It's not just about cooking. And then sometimes I open their eyes and they're like, oh, wow, I didn't think like that. Yeah. Uh, so I said to them, where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in 10 years? And where do you want to be in 20 years? And try to keep that vision with you, thinking that it's always some good and a little bit of bad sometimes. Nothing is perfect, but try to keep that vision and basically put all your mental energy into creating that future that you want, but make sure that you think about it pretty well because you don't want to make a mistake and in 10 years from now say, oh my God, I didn't, I didn't think. And now I am where I am and I'm not really where I would like to be. Always make sure the decisions you're making today are getting you to where you want to be tomorrow. I yes. love that. It is so refreshing to me that like you mentioned, family and values that are completely outside of just what we do for work, which I think is something we neglect as a society a lot. We're like, work is everything. Your job is everything. But it's not. It's a piece of the puzzle of life. And how have you maintained like such a steady grounding throughout all of this? Well... I think a lot I th uh, when I'm at home, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, it seems to be working. <laughs> I created a system for me. Um, and I, if, if I can make an analogy, let's imagine we do a, a circle. And then in that, oh, a pie. And we divide the pie in three. So one third, and it, it, it's not really you don't count into hours or something like that, but let's say in that pie, you divide the pie in three for your journey. And you say one third will be for my family. One third will be for work. And one third will be for me, by myself, to think about, to think about my life and to be um, uh, 
a better uh, family member, a better uh, a boss if you have a business and so on. But when you do something like that, if you spend time with the family, they will support you to achieve your goal professionally. And then if professionally you are successful, they pr they're basically helping you to be with your family. And both of them are supporting you to have time to have time for yourself. And that system works for me. So I recommend the idea of thinking about the pie with the three portions in it uh, and and try to implement it if it's possible in, in your life because if not your life is in balance and either way you work too much or you don't work enough or yeah. you don't have time to think to improve things in life for yourself or for your community and family and loved ones and so on yeah I think a lot of us could relate to that pie being out of balance a lot and I think that's when the hard times in our lives come about is when one of those pieces is bigger or smaller than it should be. And I think that balance is key to fulfillment and happiness, truly. Yes. And and, and again, I'm lucky that I, I can implement it in my life. I know I have some I know people that cannot really do it because they're struggling financially. They have to work more they are, But it's my model that works pretty well and when I recommend it to some friends that I know it works for them so it can be an inspiration it's not necessarily something that has to be copied 100% but it could be an inspiration yeah well and I think life goes through different seasons and sometimes maybe those pieces of the pie have to be bigger like you said based out of necessity but the key is to keep trying to I think swing them into balance when you can Yes, that's definitely the answer. I love that analogy. Is there a best piece of personal life advice that you would give to young people having the experience, the life and career experience you've had? What would you want to tell young people today? Well, when I speak to young people, I explain to them that basically the world is full of opportunities and they have to look at the world with a realistic vision but at the same time be optimistic because they are the change. I am the change. We all are the change. And therefore, I recommend for them to, to look at what's going on, what they like, what they dislike how how they want to basically participate in in a society in the future where they want to be uh, endorse the good values and the good values are not again about power about prestige and about money those things of course bring a certain happiness potentially but if all the billionaires were the happiest people in the world we would know <laughs> so true. <laughs> so it, uh, you know, I, I, I have discussions with them and make them laugh. I, I, I but uh, ultimately, what I want is for them to, to again take the time to think where they are, where they are going, and to make the right choices that will have a positive impact for themselves and everybody. 
including the planet. Yes. Yeah. Maybe yeah. think outside of ourselves even a lot of the time. Yes. But thinking about the planet is very important because it's only one planet that we have here. It's our house. And we all, I think we are about 7 billion people now yeah. living on this planet. And we have to think about, we, have, we cannot be individualistic anymore. We have to think globally. And Absolutely. we are one, one of the 7 billion people on this planet. So we have to have that kind of um, a view and then decide for ourselves where we want to be and yeah be. yes care for each other care for ourselves care for this beautiful planet that we've been gifted that we are responsible for now taking care of yes in many ways and this is not a religious message here uh, it's it's a universal message no. it's yeah. based on logic it's based on logic it's based on a certain reality and uh, i think it's important for everybody to think just beautiful advice. I could write like a whole book of all these quotes you're throwing out. Uh, the final two things I want, I know everyone, usually we don't ask a lot of like career specific questions, but we got to while we have the opportunity, just a couple of cooking tips and tricks. What do you think is like the biggest, one of the biggest mistakes people make when they're cooking? Shopping is very important. And a lot of people, especially when we speak about seafood, but in general, shopping is the mo one of the most essential element of cooking. Hmm. And if you choose mediocre ingredients, it doesn't matter how good you are in cooking. At the end, you will have a mediocre dish. So, so knowing how to choose wisely, it's very important. And it's, I see a lot of mistakes especially with seafood, like I mentioned. People have the tendency to buy fish that smells already. When they cook the fish at home, the house stinks, and then it's fishy and nobody wants to eat it. And if you have a family, your kids are look at you and they're mad at you. And so you have to learn how to, how to choose. Um, and it's the same for everything. Then what I see very often is overcomplicating the recipes. Too many things in a plate. And it makes your life miserable in a sense because you have so much work suddenly. And also, let's suppose you, you cook um, a chicken or you decide, or if you're vegetarian, you decide to cook, uh, let's say, I don't know, a couscous of vegetables or if it's seafood, it's a piece of halibut. Well, I think you have to, to think about it. What is going to elevate my piece of halibut and enhance all the qualities of that fish. Or if it's a chicken, have the, have the same reason, reasonment about it. And then you will realize that actually you don't need that much. You need less. And, uh, and it, it's, so it's less work and uh, better result. And one other mistake that I see is overcooking. Very often, I, and again, I speak about seafood a lot because Le Bernardin is a seafood restaurant. I have the book Seafood Simple, as you know. But when you overcook seafood or anything, suddenly the flavors are gone. The texture is gone. It's yeah. dry. It's tasteless. Uh, so those, those are three mistakes. Not knowing how to choose the ingredients, overcomplicating, overcooking. 
I, I feel like those truly can be applied. I think of even my experiences cooking and all of those things really have ruined recipes. Adding too much, having the wrong ingredients, and especially overcooking, and especially fish, it just, it like ruins the entire thing. It's not even worth eating if it's overcooked. I, I agree with you. <laughs> it's, it's, and it's so sad. You spend all this money, you have a beautiful piece of fish, you overcook it, it's ruined. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's why, I, actually, this is really the reason why I did this book, um, Seafood Simple. Yeah. I really, I really, really wanted to help a lot of people who are intimidating by cooking seafood because they had a bad experience in their life, at least once. And they believe they don't like seafood or they believe they don't know how to treat it properly. Actually, it's simple. Just look at the basics and, and learn and then move on and you'll be successful. That is the, the perfect segue because I was going to say, yes, your new book, that is probably like one of your biggest projects you have right now. It just got released. And if people want to implement the little tricks that you shared, then buy Eric's book and learn how to cook simply and with beautiful ingredients and the right way. Yes. I think it's, I mean, I have the book on the, on the front of me. And, oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Actually, the cover is my hand and you can see some salt falling on the, on the fish. And basically, we're teaching the, the technique of seasoning. Hmm. So we we give tips about shopping, about seasoning, and then many other uh, techniques are in a book. But all of that is to help you from A to Z, from the beginning to the end. And yeah. it's almost idiot proof. <laughs> well, the pictures from what I saw online were beautiful, and it's already in my Amazon cart, so I will be purchasing. Eric, this has been truly such a pleasure such an honor is there any way else that people can support you everyone go check out his new book seafood simple where else can we go to support your work with what you're doing for your nonprofit organization tell everyone how they can be there well they can definitely can uh, go on the site of city harvest so cityharvest.com of course dot uh, org I'm sorry cityharvest.org and uh uh, it's in New York, so if you live in New York, you can volunteer. You can help in many different ways. You can give money, and you can be involved in bringing visibility to the organization and so on. And then you can always come to eat at Le Bernardin. That will make me happy as well, <laughs> make you happy. And of course, if you buy the book, I, I'm glad that I'll end up in your kitchen. Wonderful. Eric, it has truly, truly been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. My great pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And to everyone listening, don't forget to subscribe to The Shift. Hear more of the best advice that people have ever gotten. And we will see you on the next episode. Mm -hmm.